Hi, my name is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have the greatest job in the world. I work at the video store, the one just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it's movie night. Why I love my job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch films all day long and talk about them with my friends that work here. Today on the show, I chat to both Cole and Graham. We went on a little outing, you'll hear all about it, and uh, we thought it was only right that all three of us have a chat together. This is something we could probably do more, um, and it's just lovely to hang out with those dudes. I love that this is my job. Um, there's not much more to talk about now um, other than to just uh, enjoy this episode. And yeah, thank you for tuning in. This is me doing a shift with Cole and Graham. Okies. What's up? Hello. How's everyone? All right. Yeah, we're absolutely fine. It's been a little minute since we last all hung out. Yeah, it has. We went on our first little video store outing. Yeah, business day. outing. Yeah. How lovely. Yeah, I mean, this is what's, I think, going to make this so magical, is that we can, we, we, are, we are all guys that, or people that want to watch movies all the time. Mm. And I think Cole... That was kind of what, for me, solidified our friendship, mm. was when you and I were getting to know each other. We were meeting over doing something for the Bioscope, I think, yeah. originally. But when we started realizing, like, oh, like, you're a cool dude and you love movies and there's going to be lots to talk about. I think I said to you, I remember saying it to you. I was like, if you ever need someone to watch movies with... Like, I can be that guy. I remember you were telling me that. Like, I can be your movie guy. Like, I can be your, your movie buddy. I, I'm like sorry, but I have a few of those. I'm sure you do. And so you're <laughs> I don't on want the to list. be exclusively yours. But you could be exclusively mine. I I realized that if you gave me a free afternoon, I would look to go and watch a movie. Yeah. And I play one or two games of golf a year. My dad, on the other hand, if you give him a free afternoon, will do anything to play golf, and then is forced to watch one or two movies a year. So <laughs> that was something I realized. And so we we looked at the the listings and i think together we all agreed that we needed to watch jurassic world mm. dominion yeah yeah um we'd heard mixed reviews but we thought we're going to a cinema we're going to the big screen and what better thing to see on the big screen than dinosaurs mm. mm-hmm. um we'll get into jurassic world in a moment but when we were coming up the escalators in rosebank you pointed to some dudes Mm. And you were like, I need to tell you about them. And they looked like, there were these two boys that kind of looked like they were in like school uniform. Yeah, they looked like school uniforms to me. The, the but you were, guy, like, you were like, I need to tell you about that. What yeah, was yeah. that? No, but the one guy I don't think was wearing a school uniform. I think the other guy was wearing but his track wearing... suit from school because he uh, didn't have a blazer. But they were wearing ties. Yeah, and yeah. the other guy was wearing a full black suit. Okay, but why did you want to bring up? Because there's a new trend that TikTok started. Which is quite remarkable, I feel. It's why Gen Z, I think, is magical. Like a, I'm a big fan suddenly. Because they started this movement on TikTok called Gentle Minions. Oh. And what they decided was that it so had been a while boys since... boys obviously went to go watch the, Minion, the Minions movie. Yeah, so they grew up with the Minions in the same way that we grew up with Toy Story and Finding Nemo and any other Pixar film. And this is an event for them. 
So to show the respect it deserves, <laughs> they go to the cinema <laughs> wearing suits. And the TikTok video is actually quite remarkable because you see these throngs of 20 young men going to the cinema together to go watch Gentle Minions. And it's all about the formality of the event for them. I like that like, you just called the movie Gentle Minions. Yeah, like that's what the movie's called now. Minions. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. What's it's it's not despicable minions me. some subtitle minions oh, right. r- rise of Gru. Oh, okay. So that's confusing. Is it a Gru movie or is it a minions movie? I think the minions have taken yes, over. Yes, the answer okay. is yes. It's a, it's a minions movie. It's in the minions universe. Yeah. Um, but it it's it's about dressing for the events and then also when they're in the cinema, the, the illumination logo comes on screen. The production company. They stand up and give it a standing ovation. That's wild. <laughs> and applaud. Uh, and um, it, it's it's really interesting because b- as a result of this trend, Minions has de-seated Top Gun, Maverick, at the top of the box office for that weekend that it started. I think it was going to do well either way. Mm. But it was, I mean, no, was going to be like a kid's movie. Yeah, but I mean the previous, because this is the second Minions movie, the previous Minions movie was a billion dollar movie. Yeah, no, no. So I think it was going to do well crazy. either way. And I don't think trends are enough alone till i kind of make something a number one film but i think it has been this unintentional viral marketing Mm. but i mean you can't maybe intentional viral marketing no one in an office could kind of predict that or no no one could plan it and like i always think that when those things happen it's amazing and no one could ever yeah like we've done screenings of the room at the bioscope Mm. and obviously that as a as a movie um quick back of the box on the room it's considered like the worst movie ever made and it's so bad that people watch it and there's a whole cult following around it um and um oh and the manager of the bioscope once phoned me and was like russ and i'm like yeah because whenever he phones me like late at night like i know something could be wrong with the cinema he's like (laughs) he's like they're throwing spoons. <laughs> I was like, what? what? <laughs> and he goes, no, in the movie, like people are throwing spoons at the screen. And I was like, what? Quickly Googled it. There's a, there's a scene in the movie where like you see this quick shot of like, you know, you know when you buy like a frame from a photo store and it's got some cheesy photo in it, like usually like, oh, like a, a family stock, or just some, stock like image, a stock that's, image in that's in the frame. Oh, yeah. In this guy's apartment in the movie The Room, there's a framed photo of a spoon that you sort of just what? see in the background. You just see it in the background. It's not even a feature. And when that comes up, everybody throws spoons in the cinema. Wow. Oh, crazy. You can't predict you it. Can't. Wow. You can't. You can't artificially create that no. moment. But on what you're saying... Um, we, uh, when we toured, um, Japan, we went to, um, Universal Studios in Osaka Mm. and, um, then I went again, um, with Charmaine, the ex, um, years later and they turned the back to the future ride had turned into a minions ride Uh, and this whole minions world had been created. And I realized like the Japanese love minions yeah i think they love that shit makes a lot of sense when like depending on like who you are and where you're looking at these films minions are either this like big like kid-friendly franchise thing or they're just boomer memes yeah i think to me they're just boomer memes because i haven't watched the movies i haven't seen any of this stuff Mm. but there's this there's a genuine like fandom out there for it it's huge no it's amazing okay so so we then we saw our first, we spotted our first gentle minions in the wild. And then we went to watch 
uh, Jurassic World. Jurassic mm. World. Which I think Dominion. was interesting. And like, there was a point where I leaned over to you and I'm like, this is not a kid's movie. No. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, what did you say? You were saying like, it almost turned into a Mission Impossible at some point. It feels like a, like a uh, Daniel, uh, there's a, at least a segment of the film that feels like the Daniel Craig, James Bond films. No, totally. That, yeah. that and, whole and scene instead of go like, to, I can't remember where they go. They go to Malta. 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 Okay. Yeah, like, it feels very like, it feels like Quantum of Solace. Yeah, that yes. sort of cast chase was almost the same, except instead of like a weird terrorist on a motorbike, yeah. it was a velociraptor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't velociraptors. There was some other kind of raptor. Okay. They're all the same. Okay. Uh, raptors. Are you going to be that guy? Yeah, I'm going to be that guy. I don't know um, what it's called. Well, when I heard the name, I remember like... It's like a doom raptor or something. It's, name. I think it's called an atrociraptor. Oh, yeah. It's like a atrocious raptor. And I was like, they made this up. Yeah. That's yeah. stupid. But then, <laughs> speaking of which, if you want to watch something that's actually good that has dinosaurs in it, go watch Prehistoric Planet on yes. Apple TV. It is phenomenal. Oh, no, you guys let's come talking back to that. that. Okay, let's not we'll, we'll, derail, derail ourselves here. And that exact same dinosaur comes up in that show, and I was like, it's real. Oh, it's actually, Somebody actually called it an animal an atrociraptor. They didn't make it up for the movie. <laughs> Wild. Interesting. But the, the movie, you know, I think we wanted to watch it because we wanted our commitment to this six-movie franchise to sort of come to an end. We've given it lots right. of our time. and 30 and like, years. We were all there freaked out when the Tyrannosaurus Rex appears for the first time in the first Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like we've given it a lot. And so now this is this whole thing coming to an end and it's dinosaurs, but it wasn't, yeah, it was weird. It wasn't a dinosaur movie. So mm. like basic back of the box on Jurassic World Dominion, it's like more about like how genetics have created this like kind of, um, what was it? Like a locust. Yeah. And there's this locust, this huge locust. It looked like a giant parktown prawn. But like these swarms of these things are now, um, you know, ruining farms. But also dinosaurs are around yeah. in everyday life at the same time. And so the main plot drive of the story was about them trying to break into, to to figure out this this locust thing and the genetics of this locust. And it's it's strange because you're like, what happened to the dinosaur? Yes. And I think you guys were saying, right? It's You You were expecting it to be another kind of movie. Yeah. The, the movie that they set up at the end of the last one and the movie that they marketed was this movie about like dinosaurs kind of like taking over the world and dinosaurs like in cities and all over the place like that. But it's still, when there are dinosaurs in it, for the most part, they're still just in a confined space. Yeah. That all it's just that in America now. Oh, it was in it was in Europe in the oh, was it in, in the mount, in the mountains of, oh, I see. of Italy or something. I just that's, assumed that was America. No, no, that was in Italy. Yeah, that's why. Like, it shows one, you how much it doesn't matter. At one point, they were yeah. jawling in Malta in Malta because that's where the dinosaurs got traded. No, it was. It could have been something more. There were like, there's like glimpses of a much better movie in there. Yeah. Like even the stuff there's like one scene where Chris Pratt is chasing down dinosaurs on horseback and like lassoing them. Make that movie. Yes. That's way cooler. We're wrangling dinosaurs. Dinosaur cowboys. Perhaps, yes. Dinosaur boys. But I thought about <laughs> this. Perhaps they were like, we've all seen a lot of dinosaurs. We've seen a lot of the same story, which is like this crazy T-Rex, this one mm. dinosaur that's dangerous. And maybe they were like, we've got to evolve this thing and make it something mm. more because we're a bit tired of dinosaurs. Yeah. But I don't know. I think we all could have but been given really a bit more. But then it's really interesting. Like, um, I mean, not to give away too much in terms of the plot, but... It's disappointing that this this franchise that's built around the idea of chaos theory, right, and mankind's inability to harness and control 
nature like God mm. or to become God mm. ends with the idea that they don't resolve that. And then dinosaurs just live with people anyway. Yeah. And the problem of dinosaurs living with people yeah. is never really interrogated and just ends on this really flat note where we don't, we don't bow tie that theme that Malcolm Ian started yeah. with everything that he was saying in Jurassic Park 1. You know, nature finds a way and mankind's hubris is going to like destroy things. And I think, I mean, part of that's kind of been a problem with all of the sequels is that mm. it was like thematically something that they introduced in the first film. Mm. It's never really been addressed Again, no, it, since it was that just point. the one book. It was just yeah. Michael. Well, there was a, the, he wrote the Lost World as well. Oh, it was Lost World a book? Yeah. As well? The thing the thing about the Lost World is the Lost World movie and book were kind of happening at the same time. Oh, he was writing yeah. the book while they were making the movie, mm-hmm. which is why they're so like radically different from each other. Exactly. They like, deviate that, big like, time. An from interesting each other. notes um, that I heard on another podcast um, called Caravan of Garbage or the Weekly Planets. Yeah, Weekly Planet Car- Caravan of Garbage is a show that the Weekly Planet yes. does. And they were saying that the um, wow, I've, I've completely lost that that little nuggets. It's, <laughs> it's gone out of my brain completely. Um, no, that happens to me all we the can, time. We can edit this. No, no, <laughs> no. Come on, please. <laughs> You've got to make me seem smart, please. <laughs> um, It'll come back to you. But it 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 it's a decent. It's an okay movie. I think uh, it was I'm right. not going to be that generous with it. I think it's terrible. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. No, no, but you don't know. Okay, maybe it's that you don't. Have I mean, to looking at the box, I noticed. Yeah, okay. Did what you, I wanted to say back, came back to me now before I that Richard Hammond, the owner of the park in the first book, actually died. He was eaten by those tiny little, yes. those tiny little, the little compies. The compies, yeah. yeah. And um, Steven Spielberg's kind of, like that would have been the James Cameron version of Jurassic Park had he bought the rights before Steven yeah. Spielberg, right? That's the way to resolve that pride is that he's destroyed by his own creation. Mm. Mm. But then what Steven Spielberg saw in that and his conversion into a family-friendly dinosaur movie, right, is that it's him sitting in the cafeteria that's empty, eating tubs of ice cream. Yeah. Right? Looking at the decimation of this dream of his and how he can't control nature. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's yeah. that's something that's a little bit more coherent. But then in this film, they do the opposite of that anyway. They go back to what the book would have been, that James Cameron-esque yeah, kind of monsters kind of. eating people narrative but they, i mean even then they kind of backtrack on that that journey for hammond where in jurassic world we're told that jurassic book world was something he wanted as well kind of contradict that and, and like there's a scene at the end of the lost world where he's like they need to be left alone the whole like site b thing there's a little news reel at the end of of the lost world yeah. where he says like they don't need us they need to be left alone to like live on their own but then Lost Jurassic World comes along and it's like, oh no, he actually just wanted to make another park. I see, so retconning just so that they yeah. can have an excuse to make sequels that deviate well, even, so much like, from its identity. They don't even like need that. They can just leave John Hammond out of it. Speaking out of the Lost of World. Pratt. Out of Jurassic World, I mean. Speaking of old Pratt, have you watched The Terminal List? No. no I've seen, like we've been seeing big, it's been getting good reviews. It's like his big TV show thing on Amazon. Mm. I haven't seen it. Okay, no. see the reviews are all What's pretty, the back of the box? Good. Do you know? No idea. The billboards are everywhere. They're across Germany. Yeah. Something Giant. about Navy I SEALs. I know were... the book was written by a Navy SEAL. Oh, that's cool. Some story about... The Tomorrow War, on yeah. the other hand, on Amazon, I thought was pretty cool. Chris Pratt doesn't okay, age of cool. tomorrow. Yeah. That's yeah, what I thought. Kind of. yeah. No, but it's... it's. Have you, have you heard about it? I've seen the billboards. It's actually mm. pretty good. But then I saw oh, the title cool. and I was like, that's the worst title I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm not watching it. <laughs> no, but... Okay, so okay, I want to watch it because J.K. Simmons is in it. Here's okay. the premise, right? Like, imagine a Super Bowl happening now, okay? So, like, the Super Bowl's underway. And at the halftime show, all of a sudden, this portal opens up. 
because it's it's as if they knew that this was going to be the most watched event at the moment. Mm. This portal opens up and these soldiers come out onto the field and they say like, there's a war that's going to happen for you guys. Aliens or whatever are going to come. And we're from the future and we need more manpower. So we are sending people from now into the future to fight this war. Wow. It's wild. And you think like, okay, like, oh God, this is going to be like some preposterous, (laughs) like, as you said, like a little bit of a Tom Cruise-y kind of like, it's not going to be great. But I, I thought it was cool. Okay. Like the way they did the aliens was interesting. Like they were quite elusive and, and they were quite, quite scary and quite, you know, they weren't, it wasn't overdone. It wasn't this kind of CGI thing. You kind of felt for, like in Chris Pratt, I think it's great. Hmm. Like, I, I was like, I'd like this. And not yeah. to give an incredible amount away, but basically like his daughter is, is like the general that he has to sort of work for. Mm. And, it's, oh. and, and so there's a little depth to sort of like him being Taking able to- Taking orders from your daughter. Yeah, him being able to sort of see his daughter all grown up and, hmm. and how she's like a big part of this war. It's not bad. It's like, it's, it's totally worth your time. Okay. And it kind of stuck with me a little. Like that's always been my measure is like, do I think about this movie? Mm. Does it, did it stay with me? Did it make, I told you about this. This was Leon Van Erop, the one yes. lecturer. This was his, what out of the five years of film school, this was my one, one or two nuggets that I kept, which was like a good film will make you a different person. It'll, mm. You'll be angrier. You'll be sad. You'll be different. The worst thing a film can ever do is just leave you cold and you've like forgot yeah. you watched it. And and like t- as a measure, that's kind of what Jurassic World Jurassic Exactly. Park, or Jurassic World come. Dominion was for me. Yeah. Mm. I was like, Bleh. Yeah. Bleh. just carry on with life. Yeah. <laughs> um I wanted to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Finish the block. Because remember I said when yeah, the, yeah, you're obsessed whenever with the it. block Australia's on, it's fodder for us. Myself and Leslie, we, yeah. we, we, we know we've got the next sort of two months sort of, it's, it's trash, but it's good. It's like, yes. it's a good quality show. It's good reality TV, and, but it dominates, right? Um, that's finished now. Okay. Now there's this void in your life. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, we, f- we filled it the other day with the strangest show that was also ironically about home renovating. It's on Netflix called How to Build a Sex Room. Oh, my God. And, and I wanted to tell you guys, and obviously whoever's listening, yeah. it's a super interesting show. There's this very charismatic older British woman who is a stylist and styles and decorates and renovates people's houses. But she stumbled into this strange niche of designing people's sex rooms. So, like, you know, you and me have got that that, that mutual friend, Kewen, who designs yes. cinemas. Yes. And this guy does help design the, the bioscope. Um, and I just loved and admired someone who's gone, like, I specialize in a very particular kind of thing. Mm. I make people's home cinemas. So this woman now designs people's sex rooms. And we are now going further and further into an era where, like, kink and... Mm. All sorts of like fetishes aren't this kind of strange, weird taboo anymore. Sexuality is, is, is being more spoken about. It's being better understood. And so she's primed to be this person that can design 
people's sex rooms. And so they've made this show. You can binge it quickly and easily where she probably designs about six or seven different rooms. And they've, the producers of the show are very good at making each couple or room a very different kind of love, like a different kind of partnering. So there's, there's a wow. gay couple, uh, there's a lesbian couple, there's a couple that have multiple partners. And so she's got to design this room for like the eight of them or like the four of them or whatever. Wild. There's a couple that like are super kinky and just want to take it further. So she's got these like things that they can strap themselves on. Then there's another couple that's like, we don't want to do that. We want love. We want our room to be where we can ignite our love. And so it's just got to be sexy. Hmm. And it's got to be, because you saw, you see their room and it's filled with like kids shit everywhere and it's a mess. And, and you can see like, okay, that's why you guys don't have sex. Like your, <laughs> your house is, is like overturned by the child. Right. And, then, and so she kind of helps do it. And for some people, it's this like trap door below in the basement. There was one that was just a woman who had been recently divorced and she just wanted a, a, a space for herself now that obviously she would be looking to bring guys home to. But she's now discovering her sexuality in her sort of like 60s post-marriage, realized her marriage wasn't healthy in that regard. So in one oh. case, it was just a single woman. But she's this charismatic old lady who just goes like, okay, let's talk about sex. What do you guys like? Da, 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 da. Why, we build it? Why am I building a sex room? And gets them to talk. And like some wow. people are very open about it. Some people you can see are like nervous. Hmm. It's a great show. How That's to build so amazing a because like it's really interesting to hear how it's, it's not just about sex rooms, right? It's, it's actually exploring sex positivity, which mm. is like a new movement, right? And you're exploring different expressions of love. And that reminds me of Bonding on Netflix. I don't know if you ever watched that. No. So the back of the box of bonding is that there's a BDSM worker um, and she needs not a partner, but an assistance in her dungeon for, I can't remember the reason. Is it a reality TV no, no, show? No, 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 it's a fictional it's a series. fictional series. And this um, friend of hers is this very shy gay dude that becomes her assistant. And it's a comedy set in the sex dungeon. Right, where she gets these clients that are into different kinks and he has to wear different outfits and has to kind Literally. of play along when that's not his personality at all. And then obviously like there's that comedy facade, but then underneath that, they really try to reveal all of these different issues around sex positivity and stigma well, and explore it. It's beautiful. It's such a good series. We can all agree that one of the most important things about this world in real life is just about communication. And mm. so much of it is about communicating and communicating with your partner. And she brings a lot of that out. But I recommend you watch it with your partner because there are these great moments when you're watching the show, when you like look at each other and you're like, I would never be into that. <laughs> or it's like, you know, like... Or you look at each other like... Hey, you look at each other like... like that's, that could be fun. You know, like, it's, that's interesting. That's interesting. How do we feel about that? You know, it's like, it's a good show. I don't know how relevant this is to our discussions, but a cool little Cole's factoid about sex dungeons or like that culture BDSM. <laughs> I, love you've, I love how you've got a factoid about sex dungeons yeah. just in your back pocket <laughs> and you just slid it out. Onto it's it's the quite innocuous, but like okay. um, the entire heavy metal aesthetic of the new wave of British heavy metal in the early 80s, where guys started wearing leather and studs and 
yeah. black. And yeah. you can see that that's like formed quite a specific identity around metal now, right? So you can trace that back to this moment. But how that happened is Judas Priest in the 70s had an identity crisis coming out of like the flower power era of mm. like beautiful flowing fabrics yeah, and like big Led sun Zeppelin, hats. Like Led Zeppelin yeah. were very... Exactly. Like, like Led Robert Zeppelin Plant were heavy yeah. rock, but they were f wavy, f yeah. Yeah, like exactly that. aesthetic. And then yeah. you're listening to the music that they're making um, and watching these 70s videos and you're like, this is so wrong, knowing what they're like now. And what happened is Rob Holford, the singer who was in the closets at the time, he only came out in the late 90s. The singer of Jews mm. Priest. Yeah. He walked into band practice because he had come just come from a sesh in the dungeons doing BDSM things. And he was still wearing all his BDSM gear. Uh -huh. um, like the, the hat with the aviator glasses and the studded metal belt with the whip on his like belts. Okay. That kind of thing. And he walked into practice like, sorry guys, I didn't have time to change. Yeah. And they looked at him and they said, that's it. That's the look. That is the look we're looking for. And that's how leather and metal came together, one, united. Wow. Into the cultural. That was a good fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. So in a way, this very masculine um, aesthetic of metal mm. is underpinned by queerness. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even know it. Yeah. It's like a really interesting thing how those things influence wow. our culture. Wow. Amazing. Lovely. You you never got it. You got a chance to see them, right? No, they were going to come to South Africa. They were. They yes. were. They were. They, they were, were touring were with Aussie. Co, co fucked. No, <laughs> before COVID, at the start of 2019, they were going to come, and um, they were touring with Aussie, and they were going from Europe to Australia, and then Aussie got sick, so Judas yeah. Priest were just going to stop off on in South Africa on the way to Australia, and because right. Aussie got sick, which is why I kind of don't like Aussie Osborne anymore. Yeah, yeah um, it's his fault. Yeah, it's his fault for getting sick, the monster. <laughs> and then Judas Priest cancelled their only ever South African tour in their entire 50-year history. And I, I wept. And uh, Kiss were also meant to go? Yeah. Yeah. That, they got co-fucked. Co yeah. They got co-fucked. Um, but I did no see plans, them in there's London. There's no plans for that to ever come. No. Back. It's like them and Elton John are doing their end-of-the-road final Goodbye Yardbrook Road World Tours. Mm. And they haven't announced any dates, so I'm, I'm pretty sad about that. Yeah, that's yeah. A pity. That sucks. Um, Comes with the territory of living on the arsehole planet. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I don't know whether you've been to the Middle East. Like, that is the arsehole of the planet. Really? But they've somehow managed to build a kingdom out there. Like, yeah. I'm, I'll never forget flying, you know, because you do so many transfers through Doha or, or, or Dubai or whatever. And I remember just looking at this sort of thing down in the in the desert and you're like we should not be building here like this is the arsehole of the world <laughs> like it is scorched there. earth like there is nothing like it's the closest we ever get to sort of like colonizing mars mm. it's like it's an it's experiment so to colonize mars wow. like those those emirates yeah um but um i wanted to chat more about this um we got we got load shedded Different Yay. kind of co-fucked. Yeah. The, the other kind of the other kind of can't catch a break in this thing place. we thing we have to deal with. Um, in the middle of Jurassic World, we got plunged into darkness. But it was good that it takes a little moment, but then the, the cinemas can get back to their feet. But um, we, I think you also have a letterboxed, eh? Yeah. Um, so letterboxed is is um is something that not everybody has but if you have it you use it a lot it's a it's a social media app for cinema for films 
where you can have a film diary and you can rate and review um, films. Um, I think you got me onto it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool to see what your friends are watching. And I somehow was on it when we were in darkness. <laughs> and there was this great moment when I turned to you and I want to talk more about it. Where I was like, Cole, why are you watching Beautician and the Beast? <laughs> <laughs> It's kind so, of one of those so, things where you want to cover your phone just in case someone's looking. You're like, I didn't watch the movie, I promise. <laughs> but I'm curious, like out of all the movies out there in the world, like how, how is it that you are watching Fran Drescher and Soviets Europe? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know nothing about it. So I mean, I remember box, it at the time, but... The back of the box, just to start that off, is that Fran Drescher plays a makeup teacher in New York City. And then she's approached by this... Um, servant from a satellite states of a dictator in a satellite state in, in Europe. I think it might be fictional. I'm not sure. Um, and he recruits her to become the Maria von Trapp or the King and I, whoever that character was, to this dictator's children, who's now experiencing the desocialization, or I don't know, like the westernization of the culture in his country, and he wants to prepare his children for it. So she got in because she... That they wouldn't be exposed or know anything about makeup or the Western world. No, nothing to do with makeup. It's an erroneous mistake that he thinks she's a really good teacher because of something that happens. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So she's just okay. going to acclimatize so them yes. to the, so that she can teach them all about New York and the world. And, and like democracy and, and culture, but she's not that person at all, right? <laughs> so then she gets pulled into the situation where she has to pretend to be a teacher and Tom Selleck is the dictator who is no, amazing no, no, no. in this movie. It's not Tom Selleck. It is. Timothy Dalton. Timothy, Timothy Dalton. Dalton. Sorry, they both have James, moustaches. Yeah. James Bond. <laughs> James Bond. They both have glorious moustaches. <laughs> moustaches. Um, but the reason I'm watching these films um, is because my boyfriend has started introducing me to, or like wants to watch all of these movies because he's not interested in watching The Northman with me, you know? which I have to watch by myself. He's like, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch horror. I don't want to be yeah. scared. I want yeah. to watch like Fran Drescher unionizing workers in post-Soviet Europe. Oh, does she go on yeah, to do all... Starts, <laughs> she starts ruining it she, she for goes, this dictator. She starts... She goes amazing. on to, to, to solve communism. Exactly. She <laughs> solves... Fran Drescher solves communism is basically the gist of this film. But the really cool thing is that stuff that I didn't watch growing up in like a really conservative Christian heterosexual environment, like socially with friends, you know, it's the kind of thing like where you'd watch Anchorman or Black Hawk Down mm -hmm. um, and didn't watch Legally Blonde, for example, right? Or Miss Congeniality. Uh, yeah, you've spoken about this. So like yeah. your, your formative watching in comparison to your boyfriend yes, was different. completely different. And so now you're sort of... Like experiencing what I missed out on. Um, and that's why I'm watching these... Like, Do you think you would have been different if you'd... Like, do you, do you think of how different you could have been? Oh, totally. I think that, like, in my late teenage years, I started watching queer movies, like, because they were on Mnet where my parents were at work, <laughs> you know? I was like, oh, what's Brokeback Mountain? Let's watch this. Oh, uh, right. And then I remember that was like, oh, love is possible between two men. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's, that's it's the first the moment I realized that. And I'm thinking if I had realized that earlier... You know how that would have changed, and it's the yeah, it's 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 the power of representation. We keep talking yeah, exactly. about how we are in that era. Um, it's come up in a conversation before, but just to repeat it, you know, Cole once said, you know, what what's going to make this 
era of filmmaking, like literally the ones coming out right now, like, mm. what's going to make this what's gonna difference? Make this, like, you know, when you think of like the 90s were a particular kind of film, the 80s were the big Schwarzenegger action the movies Club and, and John Hughes. Yeah. And, you know, and there were all those things. And it's like, now nah, this is the era of, of representation. It's mm. the era of like that little curly-haired brown boy I don't know if you've seen those those that that sort of thing that went viral of that like that little curly head like Mexican boy right at the screen of the Encanto character, mm. the little boy that becomes the has the power to talk to animals. Talk to yeah. animals, yeah. yeah. And he goes like, "That's me, that's me." And you realize like he looks just like that little kid. Yeah. And you're like, "Crazy, it's amazing." That makes perfect sense. And I told yep. you the Fer Fanny Fariz La Bola story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. It's in a previous episode. You can. Yeah. You can find it. But it's that whole like, babe, look, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> this multiracial couple. This multiracial couple. But it was so great. Um. Okay. And so, you watch Beauty and the and Beautician and the Beast. Beautician what and else the Beast. Is, what a title. What else is uh, exciting you at the moment? I mean, my my reality TV. Um, excursion every single week is RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, it's talking about queer content. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of mm. this. I've heard of it, but I've no, never watched it before. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't choose to watch it. So I'd highly recommend watching it. Okay. Um, like cool content to watch with a girlfriend or something like that, or a woman in your life, you know. Okay. Because it does orientate a lot around makeup and dresses and design and clothing. But the most incredible thing to see, basically, sorry, it's a competition uh, between drag queens. Okay. And um, Drag Race. <laughs> it's such a good name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so interesting to see how, what campness really means. How silly and fun it is. Mm -hmm. Like, even in the costumes that they design, they'll do these goofy things, like crazy things, where they'll put a house, a model of a house on their head, and they'll make the rest of the contour work with that. Okay. Um, and it's really incredible to see these artists at work, because in a matter of hours on a day, they will have to design a dress out of trash. I oh, like, okay, you got to make it work. pool with... noodles or like different challenges like this. Oh, okay. like so themes and specific exactly. things. Like, okay. And they have that's to cool. work all of this into a coherent fashion idea that's presented. And they'll have different themes for the runway, you mm. know. And, and But then... I mean, what's interesting is that could have been any version of sexuality could have played totally. this competition. But, totally. But because it involves drag queens... It's just exponentially more interesting. Yeah. Exactly. And more, and funny. It's heightened. And also, you know, the like the pettiness in in the in the workroom when they're busy putting on their makeup yeah. and they're busy insulting each other and having fun. It is it is a scream. We we it's interesting that you start talking about how things are changing and just representation, how much certain things are normalizing. It's lovely to start always kind of having these massaging these conversations and talking yes. more and more about them. This new version of the bioscope. The, the post-pandemic version of the bioscope has had far more drag. We've had Adam. Really? Adam, oh, Adam. Adam's amazing. Adam the drag icon. Yeah, he calls so, himself the drag so icon. So great. Like when I designed the poster, he's like, so, so just list me as Adam the as drag icon Adam. I'm like, done. Got it. It's great. Because I mean, he is. He, he very much is. So we've done the... We've done the drag extravaganzas. We've done. We did a Valentine's drag extravaganza. We did a Christmas drag extravaganza. I've heard this. I missed it. Wild. I don't know how it's missed. And then, and then we've had um, something else called the nightmares, which is like almost like a um, cabaret concept. It's got Yatu, 
who is a very interesting character, super incredible voice. Um, forgive me on the pronouns, but like he, he um, um, performed in like one of the competitions, one of like the voice or something. Oh. He's got an incredible voice. So it's drag where he performs. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. And it, like, it, it changes and they just do a bunch of numbers here in the cinema where we are, are now. And I love to think that these kinds of shows, I've said it before, like just same with the comedy. They just kind of line the venue. They like line the room wow. with like another coat of paint. You know yes. what I mean? Like this kind of juju of like just fun ridiculousness with like Adam and there's like a fan in front of him and he's like singing Christmas songs like Mariah Carey <laughs> in this like glittering dress and, and like singing along to music and like friends that have come to watch the nightmares are like, it's it's so much fun. Like it's just a laugh a second. It's great. It's incredible. So I just want to keep doing all that kind of stuff. I just love the fact that I can just be like, yeah, sure. When are we having you back? That's you know, great. on a purely economical level, they sell out all the time. So like for mm. me, it's like Makes it's a no-brainer. Makes a venue. But also I would always create that space anyways. Mm. Okay, so you must come and watch The Nightmares. Definitely. The next time on. It'll probably be in like, we're looking at bringing it back in September for like a run this time. Before oh, it was just like one night, mm. once a month. But now we'll do like a run. Tomorrow day, the singer, yes. she's gonna get involved. She's joining the nightmares. It's almost like it's almost like they're like a band, like a circus that sort of comes in. That is beautiful. And, and there's costume changes outside the cinema. And like, <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> so okay, you'll come back for that. All right. I think we need to um wrap up. Graham, any any more nuggets from your side? Do you I think don't know. I'm watching? trying to think about Yeah, because it's been so long since we've recorded this, I've watched so much stuff. Mm. Mostly thanks to Disney Plus because it's all over the place. Oh, we've well, said we we're going to come back to prehistoric planet. Oh, let's let's because it's inc if you want like again if you want to watch something that has dinosaurs in it that's actually good. Don't go watch Jurassic World. Mm. Get an Apple subscription and watch prehistoric, prehistoric planet. planet. It is phenomenal. Okay. Again, back to the box is basically it's planet Earth with dinosaurs. Is it the same? Is it the same? Narrator? Well, it's one of the producers from or some of the producers from Planet Earth and John Favreau. Is it old Attenborough talking? It's Richard Attenborough, David Attenborough. Dan no, Rich David, David Attenborough. Which one? Yeah, Richard one of them Attenborough owned, is Jurassic Park. Yes. One of them acted in Jurassic. Yes, Park. No, it's more confusing because they're both involved with dinosaurs. It's David Attenborough narrating, David. and yeah. it's it is incredible, dude. Because yeah, you watched it as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like well, what makes it incredible? It's, it's, it, it's so one for thing. It's incredibly well made. Like okay. the the. Just thinking about how far visual effects have come, mm. and the kind of visual effects we're now getting on television, mm. yeah, is because insane. it's about to say mm. like, it is unbelievable. That kind of budget would typically have really only ever gone to a movie. Yeah. Mm. So now that it's in TV shows, just shows yeah. you how how because like it's there are moments where it's like one hundred percent photorealistic. Yeah. And it's I had moments where dinosaurs. I was pausing. Yeah, there are, there are moments TV. that I literally rewound. I was like, oh my God, look at this. Because Favreau knows real. how to do that because he was the guy who made The Lion King. Yeah, well, it's the and same studio. MPC yeah. is the visual effects studio who and did The, the Lion King. The craziest part of that Lion King, ironically called the live action version, yeah. is nothing was shot. They didn't even shoot. Other than the opening shot. Okay. The opening shot of like the sunrise yeah. is real. It's the only real thing in the whole movie. But like... Crazy. Every blade of grass yeah. is fake. What? They didn't even shoot yeah. wildlife scenes. Well, I, I remember saying to you after we went to watch it, mm. 
I felt like Avatar was the last time we were going to have like a leap in visual effects. Yes. Like, cause we, we used to like Terminator to Jurassic Park was like a jump. Yes. You know, and then every now and then that happened every now and then, but I, and it felt like it was just going to be steps from now on. Yes. But Lion King in terms of just like, it's like the rendering quality mm. was like, no, it was like nothing like, I've ever seen before. That, it's that's unbelievable. What, but it's interesting that that's what you sort of got out yeah. of it because that's the, that's your life. That's your world. You see the world in rendering yeah. and visual effects and things <laughs> mm. like that. For me, I was like, this is fucking annoying because it just shows you how good the <laughs> first one was. Yeah. yeah. And this was a waste of time. <laughs> Actually, on that <laughs> note, it's really interesting. Like, it's like oh, we got a like kind of average Beyonce song. Yeah. See, man. Oh my God, it was disappointing. Like all yeah. of the magic of those Elton John songs was stripped out of those vocal performances. Yeah. And if anything, the world just got to realize like just how ugly a warthog is. Yes. <laughs> we don't like like when you see one anymore. in real life, you're like, they are that fucking it's hideous. So, it's so odd because like I felt Jungle Book walked that line much better. Jungle Book was great in that because we didn't have so much closeness to it. Like I think perhaps for us, Lion King was our film. Mm. It was our era. It was our time. Mm. It was... We knew, we knew like, I knew line for line of that, weirdly enough. I, don't, I mean, I only watched it a normal amount. You it's know. one of those movies I kind of wish I hadn't watched it as an adult because, like, my more film student critical brain was turned on when I watched it again. Oh, hectic. And it kind of took it back a step for me. I watched The Northman this week. Uh, sorry, one mm. last thing. Yeah. It was like, it, it's so funny. It blew my mind at one point as an adult when someone was like, it's Hamlet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that the Lion King is, it is. the story of Hamlet. Yeah. The whole it took me thing. way too long to realize that. Yep. Even the, mm. sort of the, you know, the famous Hamlet image of him holding the, the skull of his father. Yeah. Talking it. to his father. Like that was Mufasa in the clouds, like him talking to his dad. It was constantly the whole thing. The uncle, mm. you know, banishes him and takes over the kingdom. Like mm. it was yeah. Hamlet. I was like, and oh, it, like because of the way Disney always has multiple... Um, productions going at the same time that the Lion King was like their B project and they had all like their second oh, their secondary guys crazy. working on they, the Lion King what were they more interested in? Pocahontas oh. right and they were expecting Pocahontas oh. to be like their huge hit and the Lion King was just kind of like this other thing that was going to be like filler almost oh, and wow. Pocahontas was bad Oh, oh didn't you like Pocahontas? It's okay. Awful. I mean, like, I think I liked it when I was a kid, and I think most of that can be attributed to Anna Menken's songs in that form because they are breathtakingly okay. good. Like, Colors they of the Wind and Just Around the River Bend. Okay. See, I do, didn't watch it as a kid. Do, I only watched do, it very recently do, for the first do, time. Do, do. Oh, no. When okay, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Because if you watch it now, you sit there and go, this isn't the Pocahontas story. Well, not just that. It's just not a good story. No. Even yeah, if yeah. it's not, like, accurate. I mean, it's like, it's a problem how different that story is. Yeah. So like the original Pocahontas yeah. story. It's like the characters are not completely different. She was kind different. of human trafficked in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like, why are you doing this to the story? She was like sort like, of Saki Bartman, right? Mm. Wasn't she sort of like captured and mm. looked at? It's messed up. And taken but, to England. Um, taken to? England. Yeah, yeah. yeah taken yeah. to. She died yeah. in England, I think. Crazy. Um, so Lion King is based on Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Hamlet is based on Norse mythology. Okay. The story of Hamlet, I think. Okay. And the Northman is the story of Hamlet. Right. Yeah. So what's really cool is it blends this traditional, you know, revenge narrative um, that you've seen in The Lion King kind of thing. Mm. But in ancient, like Norway, where these Vikings were, I actually don't know where it was. Sorry, I might be getting that. Sure. Scandinavia. Just sort of Scand yeah, yeah. General Scandinavia. It wasn't the country Norway. It probably didn't exist back then. Wow. Um, but then blends it with this 
ethereal imagery of Norse mythology. Mm. And cool. you get to see gods interacting with people sometimes, but is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Interesting. So this Beautiful is the questions. Northman. The Northman, directed by Robert Eggers, who before this did The Witch mm-hmm. and yeah. The Lighthouse, uh, which are like a, like so really like amazing horrors. Nor- the Northman and Everything Everywhere All at Once are like the two big mm. sort of breakout indie gems of the year. Yeah. You, mm. could, you could say like the two are the, these are the two big ones that like... Yeah you would expect to hopefully get some Oscars or win or, but just yeah. generally be this kind of, yeah, they've sort of broken out of their, out of that, that sort of other kind of film, yes. which is the sort of the more artistic sort of cinematic. We're trying to make art. We're yes. not trying yeah. to entertain kind of movies, but uh, I, I think it should hopefully come to cinemas. It did come to cinemas. I think it's oh, been so it's on and off. Yeah, there. it's on and off. And then you don't always get those movies. They don't always come to streaming platforms, or they don't. They don't. No. They don't. Maybe it'll don't be on box stuff, office yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, it, stuff like that will often end up on Apple TV. You can rent it. Yes. Yeah, that's mm. a I good do that spot. A lot. Yeah, that's a good spot to do that. All right, I'll try and look for that. Mm. Mm. Highly recommended. And I'll watch the dinosaurs. It's so good, man. It's so impressive. Mm. Okay. Um, did you guys see the trailer? They finally released a proper trailer for the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Yes, yesterday. Rings of Power, yeah. Rings of Power. Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. The story of Lord of the Rings. No. So it's it's set in the second age. I think it's second age, yeah. Yeah, of the so Lord of the like Rings. Thousands the films of years were in the third of the age of Lord of the Rings. Or the films ended with the start of the third age. The start of the fourth age. I, I, wow. terrible. I love how there's a group of people that know about the ages of Middle Earth. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Okay. Tolkien fans are hectic. Tolkien fans are intense. Yeah, dude. they're very intense. They're the people yeah. that don't like the idea Racist. of the series because we have we have black hobbits. And black dwarves and black elves. Oh yeah. Just like ethnic yeah. ethnically black. Yeah. Okay. Um which again is so not a problem. Like, are you a fanatic or are you just a little bit racist? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And though it's so fa- fascinating the way people like that try to justify it. Because Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings because there's a period in like English history prior to the Romans invading, mm. when none of that, that like written history exists anymore. It was all destroyed. Right. So Tolkien wrote it as like a fictional history of England. Yes. Oh. So people will then England. say, oh, it's meant to be, it's the history of England. So oh, it should only all. have white people in it. And it's like, go, go away. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. No, man. Just look at this, England's history. Yeah. Oh, like, look what they did. But we've come back to this, that um, Bridgerton. Yes. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Which I don't know whether it was books, but it's I sort of know. set. Okay, so Bridgerton is like a very sort of soapy, mm. scandal sort of thing. It's almost like if like Gossip, very Jane Austen, right? If Gossip Girl was in Jane Austen, so it's like it's all about <laughs> like the, the, no, seriously, like it's a good summary. So yeah. Gossip Girl was this, um, you know, this voice in the TV show that would that would publish the scandals of these kind of socialites in New York, and so in in Bridgerton mm. there's this lady whatever's paper that comes out and says a certain someone is being with a certain count da, 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 da. but they just present it and i don't know whether it's in the books but they just present it that they are black folk mm. like yeah. the queen of england is a brown lady yeah and that is marvelous nobody addresses it it just exists mm. and you're like oh this is nice yeah because you can imagine them going oh we really want to make this show and then someone going like you understand that like old England, like old wigs in your head, kind of yes. like big dresses, turn of the, whatever the century England, like, you know, it's a, 
It's a white jaw. Yeah. Like, yeah. it is a white jaw. It's fully a white jaw. So, it's quite cool that that exists. Mm. I think it's awesome. Mm, I love that. I love that idea of just presenting it as it is. It's just like, this is the story and this is how we're presenting it. Yeah. Get on board or get off. Yeah. And like, who gives a shit? No, exactly. Unfortunately, a lot of people give a shit. And yeah. They can, honestly. Yeah, they can go live in a hole. They can jump off the crevices of Mount Doom <laughs> <laughs> into the fiery pits of Sauron's lava. There you go. What's everyone going to watch? Let's end it off by saying what... Dinosaurs. You're going to watch Prehistoric Planet. Yeah. You're uh, going to watch Sex oh, Room. How to Build a Sex yes, Room. Yes, I'm going to watch How to Build a Sex also, Room. Definitely. Also, for Roman, for the boy for romantic yeah. comedies, go watch Princess Diaries. Oh, no, he's wanted to watch it. It's on Princess the list. Princess Diaries is fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a great It's been movie. a while since I've seen it. And he's been wanting to rewatch it. Early Hathaway. Yeah. Early Hathaway. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like some sort of Norwegian greeting. Yeah. Early Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to watch? Um, what am I going to watch? You're just like waist deep in Disney Plus. Yeah, because I've watched a bunch of like I've watched Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett. I think watch Bonding would be my recommendation yeah. for today. Bonding is lovely. Yeah, you mentioned that. It's hilarious. Yeah. Done. Yeah. All okay. right. Peace and love. Lovely. All right. That is it. Uh, my name is Russell Grant. Today on the show was Cole Matthews and Graham Hackney. This episode was engineered and edited by Graham Hackney himself, Mr. G-Force. And yeah, this would normally be the cash-up. Uh, if there's something that we, we needed some clarification on, we can put it in here just so that we can right the wrongs, balance the books before we close up shop, turn off the lights and go home. Um, but yeah, all good on this one. You can share the love. We are the videostore.co.za. Um, hop on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the video store to let us know whether there's a show that you think we should be chatting about or if you've got a, an opinion on, on what we've chatted about. We'd love to hear from you. We're also growing our little face our little Instagram community over on the video store pod on Instagram. So, Laka, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week.